When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 369, an excerpt from the audiobook Essential, Essays by the Minimalist, by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And I'm your host and personal narrator, Justin Mollick. Happy Wednesday, halfway through the week. By the way, I'm calling myself your personal narrator because I simply read to you every single day from the best personal development and minimalism blogs I can find and get permission from. Although it's technically a book today, not a blog, but just to make it more complicated, it's a book that was created from a blog. Confused? Don't worry about it. This week, I'm taking a little break from reading live and I'm using excerpts from the Minimalist audiobook because they're awesome like that and said that I could use it. And with the holidays coming up, I'm gonna be spending a lot of time with family and friends, so I'll be saving a little bit of time by playing you excerpts from the book. It's a great book, by the way, and if you enjoy this podcast, you love the book too, because it's pretty much the same thing. But that's enough of an intro, so let's get right to the book as we optimize your life. An excerpt from the audiobook Essential, Essays by the Minimalists, by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. The worst thing that could happen. Risk scares the crap out of people. Many of us associate risk with failure, failure with pain. Yet we're told we must take plenty of risks to succeed. That success must be painful, right? Not necessarily. When it comes to challenging our preconceived notions about risk, the common platitudinal question tossed around by kind-hearted friends and self-help gurus is, what's the worst thing that could happen? Truth be told, some risks are fairly benign. Letting go of most of your material possessions, asking a cute guy or girl for his or her phone number, writing the first page of the book you've always wanted to write, What's the worst thing that could happen? Likely, nothing at all. There is no real risk in these harmless endeavors. Other risks, however, probably should scare the shit out of you. Skydiving, purchasing a home, quitting your job. What's the worst thing that could happen? Some pretty awful shit, actually. Death, debt, and poverty, respectively. That doesn't mean you shouldn't take these risks. It means you should approach each risk with logic, reason, and intuition. Peer over the edge before taking your proverbial leap, and if it makes sense, then leap because not leaping can be a much bigger risk. The difference then between the benign risks and the real risks is that the latter possesses potentially life-altering worst-case consequences, while the former poses virtually no threat at all. When you think about it though, the benign risks can also hold life-altering consequences if you change the question. What is the best, not the worst, but the best thing that could happen? Perhaps getting rid of your excess stuff will free up time, money, space, and give you much-needed peace of mind. Perhaps that phone number will lead to a fulfilling relationship. Perhaps writing that first page will lead to a second, and then a third, and so on until you're staring at a bestseller. Any of these outcomes will likely change your life for the better. Similarly, the real risks can have tremendous upsides. Jumping from a plane could be the most exhilarating experience of your life, the first time you've truly felt alive. 
A new home might be ideal for your family, a place in which you enjoy meaningful experiences and investment. Walking away from your career could be the catalyst towards starting your own business or a life of growth and contribution. It was both for us. That doesn't mean you should undertake any of these risks either. It just means we must ask these two questions more frequently. After all, what's the worst or best thing that could happen if we did? How to start meditating. Number one, instruction. Download free instructions from someone like Sam Harris, theminimalist.com forward slash Sam. You can also pay a few bucks and get the excellent Headspace app. Number two, five minutes. Start with just five minutes a day. Even if you have 23 children and 14 jobs, you definitely have five minutes. Right after you wake up, right before you go to bed, or when you pull your car into the driveway before heading into your home for the night. Set an alarm on your phone and let rip. Number three, give yourself a break. Don't fall for the misconception you must clear the mind. The only way you'll stop thinking is if you're dead or enlightened. And don't worry if you're finding yourself getting lost. The whole game is finding the grit to start over. Alone Time by Joshua Fields Milburn. I'm walking through the deep south, alone but not lonely. I used to think there was something wrong with me. Throughout my 20s, I followed societal norms, doing all the things you're supposed to do to be a normal, functioning member of society, going out with coworkers after work, spending every evening and weekend with friends, killing time with insipid small talk, always engaged, always on, never alone. This constant interaction wore me out. I often wasn't pleasant to be around. It felt oddly lonely to never be alone. Then as my 20s twilighted, I discovered I was more affable whenever I carved out time for myself. After all, I'm an INTJ on the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Personality Test. Don't worry, this isn't a trite reminder to make time for yourself. Rather, it's a reminder to embrace your individualism, your personality. Today, I spend copious amounts of time by myself. I don't know anyone who spends more time alone than me. At least 80% of my time is spent solo, walking, writing, exercising, reading, ruminating. I've learned to enjoy the silence. I've learned to sit quietly and hear what's going on not just around me, but inside myself. Yet the greatest benefit of prolonged solitude is when I do decide to immerse myself in social situations, be it dinner with friends, a date, or on tour, I'm pretty awesome to be around. Not only do I benefit from my alone time, but everyone around me benefits too. We all get the best version of me. I'm able to burst into social situations with stored energy, which actually makes most people believe I'm an extrovert since I'm able to engage at a high level, employing active listening, humor, and intellectually stimulating conversation. I don't, however, recommend more alone time or more social time to anyone. Life is not one size fits all, so what works for me may not work for you. Take Ryan, for example. As an ENFP, his personality is nearly the opposite of mine. He spends more time around people than anyone I know. He's the life of the party, naturally charismatic, funny, and likable. Always naturally on. As an extrovert, he actually gets his energy from other people, and time alone exhausts him but classifying his approach or my approach as right or wrong misses the point. Both can be right or wrong depending on your personality, which is of course a continuum. Even I and my introverted ways would hate to be sentenced to perpetual solitary confinement, just as Ryan and his charming extroversion occasionally needs a break from his socialite lifestyle. Ultimately, whether introvert or extrovert, man or woman, young or old, I recommend learning more about yourself because once you better know yourself, you can grow by easing into your discomfort zone. If you'd like to take it, you can find a free attenuated version of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator Test at theminimalist.com forward slash MBTI. Channel surfing. 
We're always looking for something better, something nicer, something faster, something newer, something shinier, something bigger, something more, something else. The remote control made this kind of searching easier than ever. You can navigate a thousand channels without leaving your couch, flipping endlessly through channel after channel after channel until you find something better. But television isn't the only place in which we constantly search for something better. We flip through every aspect of our lives, food, relationships, entertainment, work, all the while looking for anything other than what's in front of us. The problem is, in a world of unlimited choices, there actually is always something better somewhere on another channel. So even when we find something we like, something we enjoy, it's never enough and we begin to yearn for something else. The key is to be happy with the channel you're watching. If you're not happy, take action, change the channel. Work hard to change your situation, but once you find something you like, enjoy it. You needn't surf in perpetuity. Once you enjoy your life, you will grow, and eventually the channel will change on its own. You just listened to an excerpt from the audiobook Essential, Essays by the Minimalists, by Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And there's a way to get this book for free while supporting not only these amazing authors, the minimalists, but also me, Sound too good to be true? It's not. If you get a trial of Audible, that's Amazon's audiobook company, you can get 30 days to try the service and you get a free audiobook. I'll get a little bit from Amazon since I referred you. You get to keep the book even if you cancel in that 30-day trial. And if you get one of the minimalist books, then you'll be supporting them too. So it's a win for everyone. Come check it out. Just visit oldpodcast.com slash free. And I think that does it for today. Since I'm trying to give myself some extra time for the holidays, I'll likely continue with excerpts from this book tomorrow. So stay tuned for more free content in the Thursday show where your optimal life awaits. Hey, this is Dan from the Optimal Finance Daily Podcast, which is a lot like this show, except more focused on personal finance. Justin handpicks the best posts he can find from blogs and authors like Ramit Sethi, Mr. Money Mustache, and more, and I read them to you five days a week. So if you enjoy this podcast, come on over and subscribe to Optimal Finance Daily too. And together, we'll optimize your financial life. You've been listening to Optimal Living Daily. Be sure to hit the subscribe button to stay up to date on each new episode and head to oldpodcast.com. That's oldpodcast.com for a free gift as well as more actionable tips and resources to help you maximize your potential. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your optimal life awaits.